Before we begin, a word of warning. This episode discusses issues related to racism, white supremacy, and genocide. Hello, and welcome to Tech Point Zero, the show about technology, people, and politics with Chris and Ben. You're listening to episode 9, released in June 2021. My name is Ben, and as ever, I'm joined by Chris. Hi there. In this episode, we'll be discussing Basecamp's controversial decision to block political topics at work. Let's get to it. So, um, yeah, today's topic is uh, rather heavy. I don't know uh, how much detail you've actually read about this, Ben, but uh, Basecamp, um, the the leadership there, so that's uh, DHH, who created uh, Ruby on Rails, and uh, Jason Freed. The initial wording, the, the pu- public wording that was, was put out, was that there were no more societal and political discussions on our company base camp account. Uh, with a final point saying, no forgetting what we do here. We make project management, team communication, and email software. We are not a social impact company. And, um, yeah, the ordering of some of this is a little bit uh, confusing at times, but that essentially led to an exit of about a third of the company's engineering staff. Um, and and I've sort of gone back through and tried to get the full details of what has happened here. A lot of this has come from the Verge's article on it, because they found a lot of the staff and interviewed them and found, you know, to get the full picture. So... Um, what had apparently happened is a bunch of staff internally had volunteered to improve the company's diversity and inclusion efforts, which I think is very admirable. It's a good thing to be doing. Absolutely. And as part of this, they had dug up um, this this list that someone had created years ago of offensive, potentially racist uh, names for nicknames for for customers that were used internally not used externally it's not um super professional um and yeah not very nice things to do at all the the group that was set up to improve uh the inclusion and diversity within the company then also sort of said that we need to handle this we need to this needs to you know the company needs to recognize that this was wrong and make sure processes are in place to stop it happening again. I don't think anyone was like screaming about making it public or, or you know, a huge thing. But they did want to properly understand the seriousness of it. And mm. in part of that discussion, um, an employee linked to the Anti-Defamation League, uh, they have a document called The Pyramid of Hate, which demonstrates how the sl- sort of acceptance of smaller biases and microaggressions can and the normalization of them can lead to further normalization of more extreme behaviors so you know those small biases that you don't deal with in both the society and yourself then get turned into larger problems bullying job rejection uh, which then, again, if that is not properly handled and that becomes normalised, it can again 
lead to worse behaviours. The top of this pyramid of hate is genocide. And this is a... Obviously, this is not trying to say that a microaggression or a slip of the tongue mistake or your own personal bias, because everybody has some bias, leads directly to genocide. But it's trying to say that the normalisation and acceptance of that and not fighting against it is a path towards it. That was the, I believe, the act that prompted them to ban societal discussion because a number of the management team took that to mean that the relationship was direct and uh, took it to be a very aggressive statement. Um, and they had a, a meeting which I believe happened after the the blog post was published. But at the meeting, uh, Ryan Singer, who has worked for them for a very long time, and he was, I can't remember what he, what he was now, um, product strategy, head of product strategy or something in those, in those lines, <clears throat> um, said, I strongly disagree. We live in a white, white supremacist culture. I don't believe a lot of reframing around implicit bias. I think a lot of this is actually racist. And Jason Freed, the obviously most senior member there, DHH was was present, but was apparently um, not feeling very well and was rather quiet on the call. Freed thanked him for his comments and moved the discussion on. And then later on, a black employee in the meeting wanted to revisit the marks. He said, the fact that you can be a white male and come to this meeting and call people racist and say white supremacy doesn't exist when it's blatant at this company, that is white privilege. The fact that he wasn't corrected and was in fact thanked, it makes me sick. And uh, I'm I have I'm skipping some of it. Free tried to move the conversation on and there was some backwards and forwards with um, Singer. And at the very end of the discussion, Freed and DHH were asked to denounce white supremacy and Freed responded with um, I'm not here to share my personal views on anything I'm horrified when one group dominates another uh, Freed who is Jewish added that he lost relatives during the Holocaust I think it's absolutely the most disgusting thing in the world but I can't say that's happening here and a lot of employees there decided that was that was it like all he had to say was yes I condemn white supremacy and and he was unwilling <laughs> unwilling to do it. Um, yeah, he picked defending defending a member of of management over over that. Mm. Uh, and I, there was a there's a an end statement from someone that was apparently made in the meeting that I think is um, is quite appropriate. I just want to read it. Racism and white supremacy are not things that are so convenient that they only happen when full intention is present or true malice is present. Evil is not required. We're not so lucky for this to come down to good and evil. It's as simple as creating a space where people do not feel welcome. The silence in the background is is what racism and white supremacy does. It creates that atmosphere that feels suffocating to people. It doesn't require active malice. It's not that convenient. Um, and, and yeah, after uh, certainly after this meeting, potentially before, Basecamp lost about a third of their employees as a result of this. 
and as far as I'm aware, that's where we are now. Not not much has changed that I could find um, in terms of the company policy. And um, yeah, the, the 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 employees have left, and the the policy is the same as it was. And it's probably important to uh, to point out at this point we're sitting here towards the very end of May. This happened uh, in April of this year, mm-hmm. so we've had um, over a month since this this news broke, yeah. and um, and we've had that time, and that and it's it's pretty much dropped out of the news cycle. You you get the odd mention of it in um, in a uh, online news article from from you know, from time to time. But it is it is very broadly out of people's minds now. I I, I believe, um, you know, we've moved on um, to to other bits of news. Yeah, it it has it has moved on now. I think some of that hopefully gives us a uh, maybe slightly more considered perspective. But even mm. saying that, um, I don't think there's much <laughs> there's much in it this, this on this particular issue. Like, I think both of us feel that. Uh, base camps leadership are very much in the wrong mm-hmm. and that it's certainly very obvious to me that white supremacy is still present in our society and still has Absolutely. a great amount of effect in our society and i 100 percent agree that it's not as easy as just oh there were some very evil people and we got rid of them it, it doesn't stop like it's not a thing that you can just stamp out and wipe your hands of it so kind of before hearing a bit of that i'd I'd done some reading around the subject obviously i'd I'd seen some of the news that came out at the time and it very much came across to me prior to hearing what what you just uh just read that um it, it almost feels like one of these things that you can imagine somebody putting into place because it it sounds very broadly like a good idea um mm-hmm. I know that I have worked in places before where my political views or or my views on um shall we say contentious topics has been very much in the minority uh, i you know i I've been maybe the only one out of sort of a, a a pod of of six or seven people with a particular viewpoint and um it's led to some fairly intimidating discussions it's f- uh, led to feeling uh quite uncomfortable while at work and so on the on the outset to to basically say we don't we want to limit people feeling like that um i can i can see the appeal from that level um Hmm. the problem is is that generally when you have uh so first of all there's i think there's um potential nuance that people just don't get um and and but also what what having sort of this sort of rather broad stroke allows you to do is um to unintentionally perhaps because you were maybe in your mind you were nuanced um brush over a whole uh, swathe of of other topics which you probably didn't even conceive um the problem here is that that doesn't seem to wholly be the case. Um, they don't seem to have gone. Oh, it would be a good idea if maybe you know somebody didn't feel a bit awkward for having a a, a an all right 
minority viewpoint mm-hmm. um what they've done is gone um i've said this and um i don't want to to talk about it anymore yeah so i think i think i agree with you that we we all do need to be able to work together like it's very difficult to like you're never going to end up in a situation where you're working with people you agree with on everything um and and you, but I just don't think banning discussion is the solution to that. The I think the core side of it comes down to my the and other employees brought this up in um, in the article. Um, w- what is politics? I I found the Wikipedia dis- discussion to really kind of sorry the Wikipedia definition to get a feel for it, and Wikipedia defines it as. Politics is a set of activities that are associated with making decisions in groups or other forms of power relations between individuals, such as the distribution of resources or status. And I can't think of any part of my life where I engage with that more than work. Like, Mm. all of the time at work, I'm dealing with power relations between me and customers, me and other staff members, me um, and wider organizations that I might be involved with, like we have a certain amount of resources available to us and and the company has a certain status and individuals within it will have a certain status. It's kind of a natural human situation there. And we have to make decisions as a group. Um, like, I think being in a company is fundamentally political. Just jumping in on that, there's... And, and even our, some of our language goes to show that. Um, if some... If you've got yourself into a sticky situation, if you've got a customer or a client or you know whatever that um, uh, is maybe you know waving their contract and saying you've not done this bit, and you're waving the contract back saying yeah, but you didn't do that bit. Uh, we say it's gotten political. You know, we <laughs> we, <laughs> we yeah. The, I mean, the language that... that we use around it is yeah. is is political. Yeah, but I'd say even before then is is political. Um, it's just. Um maybe the the happier side of it like just be just just because you're everybody's working well together and the project's on time and on budget and everything's going good doesn't mean there's not uh power relations happening there it just means they happen to be working in a at least in that little bubble in a positive manner yes i also fundamentally believe that uh a workplace has to be welcoming for everyone like if we're by excluding people from work, we would prevent them from being able to support themselves, certainly being able to give themselves a good standard of living. And I think it's very, very important that we can, that we make sure workplaces are welcoming. Which leads us on to, and I know this is a, a popular uh, sort of side of this discussion uh, to make these days, but uh, the paradox of intolerance. Like, do you... Do you have to be so tolerant that you tolerate intolerance? Because what will then happen is when intolerant people join your organization, they will start to behave in a way that pushes out the more tolerant people. And before long, your entire organization can could be full of very intolerant people. And this happens at both a societal level and at an organizational level. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I genuinely think 
like there's a point that I would come to where if someone if if I was working with someone who was telling me that white supremacy doesn't exist um and that aspects are, n- are not present in our lives I I would have uh, misgivings about working with that person any further um I, d- I don't know how you build a, a welcoming organization with someone like that especially not in a leadership position I think it'll be useful to go over um for me as well mm. uh, uh it'll be to go over um how probably going over the paradox a little more how can you be welcoming to everybody when you've just described a position where you're not going to be welcoming to an individual because they're they in turn are not going to be welcoming by saying you want to be welcoming to everybody you're excluding people which is why it's paradox I mean the the normal normally accepted answer to the, to the paradox of intolerance is that you just have to exclude intolerant people. Like there's no there's no way of doing it that keeps people in through like even if you even if you believe that intolerant people are naturally born intolerant, like you still you still have to exclude them because. And yeah, maybe maybe you support them in other ways, but you, you, they will not allow the rest of the organisation to be tolerant. So something else I wanted to bring up about this as well is like a, a bit of a discussion about um, Tech Point Zero and and how this kind of came about and what we both get out of it because we have uh, sort of directly put politics into the the subtitle of the, of the show. And and I think for me that's an important part of the show. I don't want it to be the entirety of it. Like we talk about technology a lot as well. I hope. Um, but yeah, um, what does that side of it mean to you? Where do you, where do, where are you coming from, Ben? So I think it's uh, it'd be good at this point to maybe zip back for me and uh, and go back to some of the early discussions we had. Um, both of us. Uh, do another podcast and we would often find ourselves um in fact even sort of going back slightly further than that both of us are connected by a mutual friend um and having met each other uh about twice in the flesh um we've only ever uh met each other online since then uh via text talk and via um video calls it's quite normal for a lot of my friends to be honest but (laughs) (laughs) and Inevitably, uh, at the beginning or at the end of this other podcast that we we, we do, um, or uh, randomly, you know, through WhatsApp or or what have you, um, we would start discussing topics of general um, techiness, you know, sort of centered around tech, um, and and some of them were here's a particular kind of tool that I'm using, or uh, here's a particular kind of problem that I've got. And other things was, whoa, this thing has come up in the news and mm-hmm. what do we think about that? And what we wanted to do, or rather, what we discussed about doing with Tech Point Zero was bringing those kind of conversations that we were having into um, into a podcast. And uh, what we've ended up doing uh, is a far more structured and, and hopefully uh, better sounding uh, version of... Um, of those conversations so that's sort of uh, from my side where we came from mm-hmm. certainly for me um as i was talking to chris before we started um 
certainly from my point of view, I thought we were going to come in a bit more with the tech-heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that uh, I know that my tech knowledge, and I suspect Chris's as well, is very sort of domain-specific. Mm-hmm. Like, I know how I do a subset of Kubernetes things in my job. And I am not well-placed to sit here and say, um, this is how you should do things. Because I can't even tell you the entirety of the way I do things. Mm-hmm. I can just go, this is a little bit that that, that I do. Um, and while I very much enjoy that, um, I am not authoritative on it. The political side of things is extremely interesting. It's interesting to hear other people's views on it because unlike pure technology um, on with which you have to uh, generally research through maybe doing a course or reading documentation and practicing, um, through the act of discussion, you can grow when it comes to uh, political situate uh, political discussions uh, just by talking about it and hearing somebody else's point of view when married up with your point of view um, can give you a new perspective and, and allow you to grow and so that's um, sort of one of the big parts why I, I like this aspect of the show that we do yeah so I think it's very similar like I was you sort of explained how we uh, started things from a sort of practical point of view and I, obviously yeah, it's my memory of that is all very similar the the politics side of it I kind of already knew that we were going to have some discussions about like we both want to I think I think the one that really stands out when I think back to it is um, and they're trying it again so we might have to do another episode but <laughs> um, the UK trying to bring in uh, legislation on pornography and making it require uh, identification mm, uh, yes. and obviously sold as an age id law which a lot of people will go yes that makes sense but without realizing that it requires them to be able to identify the exact user at that time um and without really understanding the the harm that, that can cause and i think it was that episode that we did and i listened back to it afterwards and it was really really good and i i personally really liked like the balance between uh sort of a political human-centered discussion based around technology and i started trying to find more of those kind of things to talk about as a result of that and i think it definitely started slanting towards that but i still really enjoy um even the recent episode we did was very tech heavy with um i've forgotten it now fq coddle fq coddle yeah i can't what i talked about <laughs> Oh, about uh, uh, FQ Coddle and uh, I spoke about uh, open standards. Yeah, and and that was great as well. Like and I, and even open standards um, and sort of longevity of hardware still has a political aspect because we're both there advocating for like right to repair and having hardware last longer and making sure companies provide software updates for longer, like. That's still a political view on it. You're still talking about how it should work. The One of the big things when it comes to... Um, so unless you're somebody that uh, whose ideology is uh, I go out frequently and buy hardware that I'm going to be locked into and 
purchase software that I'm going to be locked into. Hmm. Um, if you're, if any of that sounds like wrong to you or you that doesn't fit to you, maybe you do subscribe to um, hardware that you you can't do what you want with, but you are a big open source fanatic or other, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. Um, there is um, ideological. There's an ideological basis for open source. There's ideological basis for um, having hardware that you can repair, that you can do what you want with, um, that feeds into this political discussion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think, I mean, that's a good example of how technology is just fundamentally political. Like it is going to affect people's lives, and people we've clearly seen people using it to gain more power. Uh, in society and and yeah gain more resources or status for themselves as well both in on smaller scales and much larger scales and I, I just i think if we were making this podcast without without that discussion without that acknowledgement in there you're you're kind of missing a whole section of the topic it's just like <laughs> the elephant in the room why are they not talking about it absolutely uh, yeah that's something that i uh yeah missed in this discussion a lot of the people suddenly a number of the people who were working to deal with base camps um internal sort of uh, in- inclusion and diversity issues a lot of them had participated in this list of nicknames uh and were kind of trying to fix their own mistake and that seemed to just make the leadership even less likely to listen to them because they they were like why are you doing this it was your it was your list or you, know, you were involved too and i think it's really important that we acknowledge the ability for people to actually learn and improve and grow and develop i don't think that happens overnight sure but I think a lot of the people there clearly had, as I think we all have, maybe not really understood the consequences of uh, things when they were younger. And as they'd gotten older, started to be like, oh, I need to be better than this. One of the things that uh, I've heard frequently, um, I guess over the last 10, 12 years, um, is that when talking about politics, um, I'm going to be vaguely referencing British politics here because I don't pay too much attention of non-British politics. Um, you'll often um, you'll often be uh, a politician will often be held to something that they said um, months or years ago, potentially decades ago. Um, back in the 80s, you said this. This was your stance. And the thing is, is that, that that forgets that people change and people grow and people's people's views change based on what they learn. Um and I think there's a there is a there is a difference. There is a difference between um growing and flip flopping. Yeah, totally. Um, it's sometimes difficult to tell that difference, but Absolutely, you can you can change your opinion based on uh, the situation that you're in, um, and, and that isn't growing. That is just trying to be popular. Um, but 
it's right that your views from 10 years ago, from five years ago, are different than they are today. Because if they aren't, you've stood still in a, in a world that, that moves forwards. Yeah, exactly. I think we've all had access to so much more information um, online about the difficulties that lots of different types of people face in their life. Uh, and I, I know, yeah, I, maybe I'm a little bit of an optimist at times. I'm, I, I hope that that's going to lead to real change. Um, that it's very easy to go online and see a lot of anger and and hatred that is definitely there. Um, but I think the number of people I've seen learn and stand up for those that are less advantaged than them is has been growing since yes. I've been online. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe our YouTube channel linked in the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at tech underscore point underscore zero. We hope you join us again for the next episode. Bye.